Hey there, thanks for joining me this week. My name is Tim, and just like you, I'm on a journey to discover more about God's love, his creation, and my identity. I don't have all the answers, but I've got a lot of questions, and I've got a feeling that you do too. So, let's explore together. Welcome to The Sanctum. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sanctum Podcast. I again am Tim. And I really appreciate you. You could be listening to anything else. Joel Olstein, T.D. Jakes, Migos. Be listening to anything else. You decided to listen to Little Old Me and I really appreciate it. With today's episode, I want to talk to you guys today about faith. And I want to be able to really help define what faith is. And the reason why I believe that is so important is because faith is the engine that helps us and fuels us in our spiritual walks. So a lot of the things that we see in the Bible, I believe, are available today and that we can do and accomplish today. But the problem is, if we don't believe it in the first place, well, guess what? It never happens. And that can be anything. That can be your supernatural healing. That can be finances. That can be the... A repair of a broken relationship. It can be a multitude of things, but if you first don't believe, then <laughs> nothing happens. So let's talk about what faith is biblically. So in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's pretty cool. Now, let's break that down and just simplify it. So what faith is essentially is hoping in something that we cannot prove. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't smell it. I can't hear it. But I believe with every fiber in my being, that it is true. That is faith. And it's actually pretty easy to believe. We can believe for small things. So, give you a silly example. When I get up in the morning, get ready for work, and I go outside, I expect my car to be there where I left it. That's faith. That is an example of faith. I know it's a really simplistic view of it, but the fact is I'm in the house, I'm not staring at my window, I'm going to sleep at night, and I expect my car to be there. Somebody could have come and stolen it in the middle of the night, it could be broken, it could got possessed and drove away, like that Stephen King book. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's there. And I believe and I expect it to be there. That is a form of faith. And so we believe for things all the time, but are we believing in the right things? I'll give you another example. Um, So I believe that my wife loves me. Now, there's things that she does and we do together that makes me believe that she loves me. So for example, she cooks for me. We've had kids together. If you ever see me with nice clothes on that match and are clean press, probably my wife dressed me. (laughs) 
Um, we are intimate. You guys know what I mean by intimate. I told Apple that this is going to be, you know, clean, so I don't want to go too far in definitions, but you guys feel me. But those are things that she does, but I believe that she loves me despite what she does. Because let's go back to cooking. Like, I can go to a restaurant and pay someone to cook for me. That doesn't mean that they love me. Uh, how many of us know somebody who had, you know, one night stand or been in a bad relationship and had kids from that relationship? They didn't love each other. I can go to a you know department store and have a salesperson pick up my clothes for me. That doesn't mean that they love me. I can be intimate and pay for that. Don't do that, but you could. That doesn't mean that that person loves me. But I believe that my wife loves me. And it's something that inside of my being that I totally believe that she does. Despite what she does, even despite what she may say. Because in relationships, sometimes you talk well of each other. Sometimes you talk poorly of each other. It happens. People fight. But despite all that, despite what she does, what she doesn't do, what she says, what she doesn't say, I totally believe that she loves me and you would never be able to tell me anything different. And God says that he loves us as well. So, for example, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says, amplified again, the Lord appeared to me, Israel, from ages past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Now, for you, these may just be words, but to me, they're more than just words. Because I believe those words. I believe that that is God speaking to me, saying that he has always and will always love me. And it's the same thing in my relationship. I believe that Charmaine, my wife, loves me, despite the negative experiences I may have. Because a negative experience can take us away from the faith. But if an experience takes us away from the faith, we really have to ask ourselves how strong our faith really is. Because if we want to live that supernatural lifestyle, if we want to see miraculous healings, if we want to see families to be restored... If we want to be able to, I don't know, take your pick, raise the dead, we have to believe, despite the negative experiences. And that brings me to my next point. Faith is a choice. And all of us are believing in something. Every single one of us. We can choose to believe the negative. We can choose to believe the positive. But the choice is ours. What are we believing for? So Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. I really like that verse because it says, 
Without faith, it's impossible to walk with and please him. Meaning that the way that we please God is by walking with God. And the only way that we can walk with God is if we first believe that there is a God who wants to walk with us. The first step in this supernatural lifestyle, the first step in unlocking that spiritual gift that you must have, is to willingly walk with God. Because as you walk with God, he's the one who teaches you all the secret things. That secret knowledge that only he can give, he is willing to share with anyone who is willing to spend time with him and to listen. It's really not a secret. It is the worst kept secret in history. Spend time with God and he will talk to you. He will share with you eternal mysteries. But first things first, do we have faith? Now, there comes a time in a lot of our lives where we have crisis of faith, where something happens in our past that causes us not to believe And when we don't believe, we begin to shrink from that relationship with God, who is ironically the source of everything that we could ever dream, hope, or want. And I can remember my personal crisis of faith a while ago. Man, it's had to have been about maybe about 10 years ago. I was living in Florida, um, me and my wife. We didn't have any kids. It was just me and my wife. And I was working a regular job and my wife was going to school. And my wife has always had gotten migraines. She's always had headaches. And I remember her coming home from work saying that she had a migraine. Nothing too serious. Lay down, take some Excedrin. It typically gets better. But this one didn't get better. In fact, it progressively got worse. And it got bad, so we took her to the um, urgent care center, and they give you one of those those shots uh, to help ease the pain. And the pain had dissipated maybe for maybe for an hour, but then it came right back, and just as bad as ever. And so by the second day of her being in this excruciating pain, we decided to go ahead and take her to the emergency room. Now this was a new job for me. Um, This was a a new place that we had lived. We didn't have a whole lot of connections. Uh, And so there was a little fear there uh, to begin with. But we took her to the emergency room and they did a lot of tests. They did x-rays and CAT scans and, you know, we waited hours and hours and hours to be seen. And finally a doctor comes in and and says, well, they found some type of abnormality Um, in one of her CAT scans and they want to keep her overnight uh, to run some more tests. So we hunkered down for the night there in the hospital in the ER room uh, before they got her bed in the morning and they did more tests and progressively throughout all that she continued to get worse. The pain was excruciating and no amount of pain medication that they gave her could help ease the pain. Well, those hours turned into days. And then those days 
turned it into a week, and then two weeks. Through this ordeal, she lost the ability to feed herself because her hands would tremble so much that she couldn't hold a fork and a knife. And so they were feeding her through uh, uh, tubes. She started to hallucinate where sometimes she would believe that, you know, we had a little dog named Tipsy at the time, and she would believe that Tipsy was actually in the hospital room with her. And she would call out to the dog, expecting the dog to come to her because she didn't know where she was. She lost her ability to walk, to go to the bathroom by herself. And we didn't know what to do. Well, I should say I didn't know what to do. And we had a couple of family members there who came to visit every now and then. But for the most part, I was alone and she was alone in the hospital. And I was still trying to work. And you can imagine being a fairly new a newlywed couple and having this happen to you. Uh, this was tough. And I remember there was a little chapel downstairs in the hospital, which is really common. And every day I would go to this hospital chapel and there was a pedestal and there was a Bible on the pedestal. And I would read a verse from the book of James. It was chapter 5, uh, verse 14, and it said, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So I would go and I would read that verse every single day that my wife was in the hospital and I would pray and I would pray that God would heal her because the doctors were confused. The doctors did every single test that they could and they just could not figure out what was wrong with her or how to make her better. And I was scared that I was going to lose my wife. So by the third week in the hospital, they had put her into the ICU and she was hooked up to every type of machine that she could. They even had to use straps to hold her down because the hallucinations sometimes would get so bad that she would um, you know, fling wildly in the air and try to take out her, her tubes. And, and that was so hard to see my wife to suffer because my, let me tell you my wife she is strong she is intelligent she is courageous she did not deserve to be suffering like this for as long as she did and <clears throat> even the the chaplain of the hospital came to visit my wife to see if there was any last words that she wanted to say to see if we had any type of living will because we really thought that we would lose her 
And so I prayed every single day. The doctors didn't know what to do. But in about three and a half weeks to four weeks, she started getting better. Where she, the hallucinations stopped. She started to walk on her own again. She was able to speak. She was able, she was able to remember things. I really think that was the scariest part. Was the moment that she forgot my name. I, I can really remember it really clearly. <laughs> I think she asked me to pass her something or you know to give her some juice. I don't know. But I remember she said that, "Hey, you're a nice man." I said, "Yeah, I'm your husband," and she just didn't respond. I think that's the moment that hope really left me. But ultimately she did get better and she had to do some physical therapy for a couple months after she got out the hospital. And finally the diagnosis was um, um, meningitis, which is swelling around the membranes around your brain and your, your spinal column, which explains the hallucinations the loss of uh, muscle control, and so on and so forth. But going through that time, my heart really started to harden toward God. And the reason why it hardened is because I didn't understand why a good God would allow something like this to happen to someone who, in my opinion, was so perfect and so undeserving of this type of suffering. I didn't understand that. And so I became mad at God. I was angry at God. I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And I was fine with that. Because this didn't make sense. This experience that I had didn't make sense. So I was invited to a church service one night after all this had happened and very begrudgingly I went I don't know what was preached I don't know what was sung I don't remember but I do remember there was an altar call and I went up to the front and I just began to cry I had been so stressed out and so worried and so racked with anxiety that it had hardened my heart where God could not get through. But I went to that altar and I bawled my eyes out and I said, God, I don't understand why you do the things you do And why sometimes you don't choose to act. But what I do believe is that you are good. And even though I don't understand why, I choose to trust you. And in that moment, through the negative experience, my relationship God had not only healed, but I had gotten closer to God because of it. 
Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that God sends us bad experiences in order to bring us closer to him. And I won't say that because I don't believe that. I think we as believers have a lot more authority on this earth than we really realize. But despite that negative experience I had, I chose to believe. And that experience could have been my biggest obstacle to faith. Or, as it turned out to be, one of my greatest triumphs of faith. And you who are listening to me, you may have gone through something similar where you've seen a loved one suffer or you yourself are suffering and you don't understand why God won't act. You may have lost your mother. It could have been a friend. It can be your finances. It could be a personal failure. You don't know where God was in that moment. Despite your experience, despite any of our experiences, Faith, what we choose to believe, is just that. It is a choice. And we can either choose to believe the negative, that God does not exist, that God is angry at us, that God is impartial, or we can choose to believe that he is good and wants to speak to us. Because ultimately, we are all believing in something. But who in what we believe, is our choice. So in my crisis of faith, I chose to believe in what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is good. And I invite you to believe the same. I invite you to believe in God.